Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Local talk is back in the valley. It's the conversation you've missed. The Mike Douglas Show. Weekdays at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Conversation begins live and local right now here on the Mike Douglas Show. Mike Douglas with you, serving as your personal concierge for conversation Monday through Friday here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Our time to sit down together and uh, talk about the issues of the day that affect us directly here in California's Central Valley. My coffee cup is full. I'm ready to go. So uh, so let's get at it as we begin today. Uh, you know, as, as we look at, at next week and June 15, and again, as you know, my friends, I'm a tad skeptical about uh, how much relief we're actually going to get uh, next, uh, next week, next Tuesday on, uh, on June 15 from Sacramento in terms of uh, a lot of the restrictions being lifted. I, I think some may, but I... I don't think it's going to be a time for jumping up and down and and rejoicing and releasing uh, balloons and high-fiving. I think it uh, will will be a a dull roar at most. But we'll see. I I hope this is one of those things. I I hope I'm I'm wrong. I do hope I'm wrong and that uh, it will be a a freedom party uh, rather than, well, an extension of lesser restrictions. Anyway, <laughs> I was uh, looking uh, through a lot of the tidbits I look at before the show. There's this tweet from the Vice Chancellor for Government Relations of California Community Colleges. His name is David O'Brien, and he uh, speaks to the issue of uh, the online meetings and the presence we've had to have over the past 15, 16 months. <laughs> he says this, Nothing, I repeat, nothing will shake me from my fervent belief that Zoom breakout rooms should be outlawed as a form of torture under the Geneva Convention. <laughs> and now, uh, I am an unwitting czar of Zoom. Uh, we've probably done well over a hundred Zoom meetings over the past fifteen months. Uh, on on Sundays, do two uh, congregations uh, on Zoom over the pandemic time, and uh, I've done several uh, very complex funerals and memorial services over Zoom, and then all the ancillary meetings that that we do with advancing vibrant communities and uh, other organizations I'm involved in. A lot of it on Zoom, so I become very familiar with it. Anyway, I thought that was uh, a very, very funny. Do you use Zoom? I know there are other platforms as well. Zoom seems to be one that uh, I just found to be uh, fairly uh, user friendly and uh, affordable. And uh, anyway, uh, the uh, 
this vice chancellor for government relations of the California Community Colleges thinks that the breakout rooms uh, should be a, a form of torture under the Geneva Convention. You ever done breakout rooms? Yeah, mm, wonderful, especially with those who have no idea what, what's happening. So um, anyway, I don't know, Would you are, are you happy that we may be able to get out of the, the Zoom thing soon? I don't know, I, I find it uh, useful. And uh, in, in some ways, I find it preferable occasionally uh, to meeting in person. Uh, anyway, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens uh, with all that. Our, uh, our number here, of course, for the conversation, 209-551-3483. We're going to turn our eyes towards the issue of homelessness. Uh, there's some interesting action happening statewide, and uh, maybe there's some good action happening in your area, wherever you might be here in California's uh, Central Valley. I'd like to know what you think is going well as far as programs to address the issue of homelessness uh, or things you've seen that you think, we, boy, we, we ought not to do that again. Our number here, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. So there is uh, an organization called uh, the Big City Mayor Coalition. It's a bipartisan group, says Politico, representing California's 13 largest cities. And apparently yesterday, they backed California state legislature's plan for a $1 billion $1 billion budget annually for the next four years. So if you add that up quickly, that's $4 billion over the next four years. See how quick that was? I'm not even a math major. I'm a liberal arts major, but I, I can do that math. Anyway, $1 billion in spending for the next uh, four years to boost local government efforts on homelessness. Now, Mayor... Daryl Steinberg in Sacramento weighed in and he said cities are being forced or could be forced off of fiscal, F-I-S-C-A-L, fiscal as in financial cliff. And it would destroy many of the advances made in the battle to house California's estimated 161,000 homeless. According to uh, this political, uh, Politico article, Newsom in his budget is asking for $12 billion, with a B, for plans that he said will functionally end family homelessness within five years. Wow, that's a big order. Uh, we've been uh, interacting with the community for uh, 19 years. By the way, Advancing Vibrant Community celebrates its 19th anniversary this month going on our our 20th year we'll talk about that in in coming days but anyway as as we worked uh, for for almost the past two decades with community organizations and we've helped those uh, uh, coming out of homelessness and those dealing with homelessness I don't know um, throwing money at it is is not the solution uh, 12 billion with a B Governor Newsom said he's going to functionally end family homelessness within five years, uh, including $8.75 billion to expand Project Room Key. 
That was created uh, during the pandemic to convert, as you may recall, uh, hotel and motel properties into housing. Uh, San Jose Mayor Sam Licardo uh, apparently said that big city mayors want to stress that the key point that the budgetary commitment from legislative leaders would be dedicated, ongoing, flexible dollars directed to local communities to nimbly solve this challenge. To nimbly solve this challenge. Interesting choice of words. Uh, Apparently, he says, without it and the ability to support ongoing operations and services at those sites, California's big cities, quote, face the unconscious or the unconscionable reality of pushing thousands of our neighbors back into the streets. I don't know, my friends. I, I would like to see the plans before I get excited about dedicating $1 billion uh, a year for the next four years and getting behind Governor uh, Newsom's $12 billion for plans that he thinks will functionally end family homelessness. If uh, why, why haven't we made better progress? If, if those plans uh, are there uh, and we have some best practices to look at, how come we're not uh, making better gains and listen I'm, I'm not I am not at all saying that this is an easy thing to deal with it's not the issue of homelessness is very complex for example you're dealing with with issues of, of people who have lost jobs you're dealing with people who are suffering from mental illness you are dealing with people who are caught in the web of uh, chemical addictions uh, you're, you're dealing with people uh, who have been abandoned by their families in times of need. You're dealing with people uh, who, who just are in a state where they want to be alone. They, they want to be removed from uh, what we would consider the norm. There are multiple levels to deal with uh, here, and I don't know. We'll see. Again, I hope I'm wrong. Uh, I, I hope that uh, the $12 billion, if it's uh, approved, will functionally end family homelessness, but without uh, specifically knowing what plans are involved and how they differ from what we've done before, I'm not sure. Now, Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti, uh, while he's supporting Newsom's efforts, uh, he was pretty honest about whether California voters are going to see dramatic reductions with that spending. He said, quote, the answer is no. His answer, he, he's saying Californians are not going to see dramatic reductions soon with that kind of spending. He says the answer is no, because that's not what the nature of homelessness is. I think, he says, We've let ourselves down too often saying one more budget is going to solve homelessness. I don't agree a whole lot with Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti. I happen to agree with him in this evaluation. And 
I mean, let, let's look at what's happening down in, in Venice. I'm sure you've <laughs> that that beautiful part of of California's uh, coast and and beach there, Venice Beach. The long time history. Those of us from Southern California know Venice Beach well. You've seen the clips, I'm sure, lately of some of the atrocities that uh, that are happening there. It, it's getting uh, it, it's getting totally out of hand. So. Uh, I I don't know. I I have to agree with Mayor Garcetti. Just send us throwing the money at it is is not going to to solve it. And some Republicans are saying, I don't know, the cost of housing as an issue. Uh, maybe they're addressing this now because of the recall. Um, San Diego Mayor Kevin Falconer, who we visited with earlier in the week, apparently he has a a commercial out now that says it's called too expensive. And he's uh, saying that his city is is reducing homelessness, but he says the governor isn't doing enough to control the high prices affecting voters here. Everyone should be able to afford to live in California. What do you think? Do you agree with uh, that kind of budget to address homelessness? Do you think putting that kind of dollars behind it will work? Or do you think there are other issues? And what's working in your area or not working? Here on the Mike Douglas Show, again, my privilege to serve as your concierge for conversation here as my coffee cup is now about a quarter down, but it's still hot and uh, the fuel is uh, is taking effect. So let's continue the conversation about homelessness. Uh, programs that you've seen uh, that are effective, you think, those that maybe uh, we need to learn from in terms of lessons learned, things we ought not to do again. Our number here, 209-551-3483. What do you think about uh, $4 billion with a B dollars uh, to allocate towards uh, uh, the next four years to boost local government efforts on, uh, on dealing with homelessness? Uh, again, I, I think one of the issues that, that I struggle with, again, our phone number here, 209-551-3483. One of the, the problems that I struggle with when we talk about budgeting for this is I don't believe there's one answer. Uh, no one effective approach, no one best practice, It's and it's because of the complexities of, of the homeless issue. Uh, there, there's no one root cause. There are many root causes. And so I think as you look at dollars, you have to look at, are we spending dollars on those specific causal issues? And <clears throat> I'm not sure we're doing that well. Uh, just to kind of look at the other side of the coin, um, yesterday we had a visit with uh, Tom Patty. You remember Tom Patty is the uh, chair of the uh, Board of Supervisors in San Joaquin County. And yesterday he talked to us about what has not worked. And he's talking about the philosophy, the strategy of what, what's called housing first. And <clears throat> here, is, uh, here, here are his thoughts 
about that particular strategy. Nine years later, after spending 200% more dollars, the housing first model doesn't work. Boise, Idaho's decision says you cannot enforce. And I know people shrivel at the, you know, they just shriek when you say enforce because it's, you know, people are living homeless. And if they, if you offer an alternate location and bed, then you can enforce a no camping zone or clean up. You know, these sidewalks are for walking, not for camping. These, ro- these waterways are for water conveyance, not for camping. They're not a public toilet. So, you know, we need, you know, we have one of the worst water qualities because of the, the, the waste that's going into our waters based on these encampments and, and how people are using them. So we need to do something. What we've been doing is not enough. So we do have some dollars that have come down from the state or from the Fed that we can appropriately use for standing up uh, low barrier shelter programs. Uh, and when he talks about low barrier shelter programs, uh, he, he went on to define what that means and its value uh, to successfully helping the homeless. So let's help get low barrier shelters up and running. When I say low barrier, that means you can bring in your pet, bring in your partner, bring in possessions. You have meals, you have individual assessment, you have showers, you have clean clothing, you have programs for treatment, whatever you may need, if it's a, you know, behavioral or emotional or substance abuse. There's multiple layers that you can have basically wraparound services, and some people call it navigation center, but you know, it can be there. We went to the Haven for Hope in San Antonio. They've got an 11-year-old model that I had heard about, talked about, and exasperated, and as they said, they're not the only way of how to deal with homeless. They are a way, and they're proving out to be very successful with thousands of people annually going through their programs and transitioning to more stability. So let's emulate success. The housing first model is falling short because it's not eradicating the situation that people are finding themselves in when you're living on the waterways and roadways. There's a gap there. Let's address those people that are living in squalor and despair and bring them in to where services could help them. I appreciated his uh, his comment there of, as he referred to, I think it was San Antonio uh, and, and a program that they have. He said it is a way, and that San Antonio said it is a way. And I think that's so important, <clears throat> you know, as, and I'm just going to uh, speak here as, uh, as the president and CEO of Advancing Vibrant Communities. Over the years, people have asked us, can you franchise this? Can you uh, take it to other areas? And we resisted that because my philosophy on this is that every community has its own personality. Just like you and I have different personalities, every community has its own unique personality. And so when we begin to try to do cookie-cutter approaches, it doesn't work. So I very much appreciate this... uh, this attitude of let's look at best practices as a way of approaching this, not necessarily the way of approaching it. And I, uh, again, I, I think we, we need to admit where we failed. We have to look at, not, not in terms of <clears throat> beating ourselves up and pointing fingers and saying to local government, well, that was a bonehead idea. Why did we do that? Why did we spend money on that? I think what we ought to be doing is assessing what's worked, what hasn't worked. What do we know about places where 
it is working and that we can borrow some of those ideas. Uh, I've just seen so many cases where the homeless issue is defined in so many different languages, so to speak, uh, in in terms of the causal agents, the, the root causes. That's an overused term over the past 24 to 48 hours. But anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, we really need to uh, to look at some of the root causes of, uh, you know, whether it's mental illness or whether it's drug addiction, whether it's a loss of a job or it's an inability to know how to manage life itself. I mean, there's so many levels here that need to be addressed. Uh, we cannot keep doing this cookie cutter approach. And again, I I would want to see that multiple level approach before I would get behind a billion dollars a year for four years or even the $12 billion that <clears throat> that uh, Governor Newsom is looking about. We like to, from time to time, talk about the unsung heroes of our communities uh, within the, the footprint of our signal here and uh, within uh, the, the, the streaming footprint as well of the Mike Douglas Show. There are great services happening. There are great heroes, unsung heroes who don't grab headlines, who you may have never heard about, that are doing such great things on a consistent basis to serve our communities. And we're going to take this opportunity right now to introduce you to uh, one of those, uh, I would say, unsung heroes, maybe that you haven't heard about. Her name is Sandy Hyatt. She's the branch director of Bethany Christian Services here in Northern California and for us here in the Central Valley. Well, Sandy, welcome to the Mike Douglas Show. And let's uh, let's begin with a, a quick overview of the mission of Bethany Christian Services and how it serves our communities. Thank you for having me. So Bethany Christian Services has been around, you know, in Northern California for well over 30 years, as you know. And in the last several years, we've had the opportunity to expand. So when we first started in the Central Valley, we started in Modesto and we're known for doing pregnancy counseling and walking alongside women that are experiencing unplanned pregnancies and um, just providing them with options counseling and we're not just about life life affirming choices but we want what's best for mom and the unborn child and for those women that are choosing to make an adoption plan we're going to support them and we've been doing that for many many years with our expansions, we've um, started doing Safe Families for Children, supporting um, individuals and families that are in crisis, that have children. Um, we provide care to their kids. While we're wrapping around them, we're kind of pulling the church in. It's an administrative churches where we're, we're supporting families that are isolated, that don't have a support system. So host families are caring for kids while family friends are walking alongside that that mom or dad that needs that support. When you yes. talk about families in, in crisis, uh, give us some examples. Uh, what are we specifically talking about there in terms of, of what you're sure. seeing? 
Sure, a lot of our referrals come from, from um, shelters, families that are experiencing homelessness, from facilities that um, are working with women that are experiencing drug use issues. While they're focusing on their, their drug treatment, they may not have a safe place for their children. We also get referrals from CPS, families that are experiencing a variety of issues. And the idea is to you know, keep these kids out of the foster care system. So if there's no real abuse or neglect that um, requires the children to be removed and placed into foster care, we can care for those kids and also provide support to that parent. It sounds like a wonderful resource for those children uh, who are in those circumstances. And I, I would imagine that some training and uh, some uh, counseling yes. and, and such is required yes. for those families that will take those children in, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's really our piece of this. Um, that ministry is really owned by those churches and it's their ministry, but our piece is really that safety and support piece where we're screening the host families. Um, we're providing that training as well and guiding them and coaching them through each of these places. Sandy, in the looking at the past 15 months as we've dealt with uh, the, the public policy restrictions regarding uh, COVID-19, have you seen uh, uh, any rise of, of these circumstances for children and in terms of uh, stresses at home? Has it, been, uh, ha has it been pretty normal or have you seen a rise in these issues over the past 15 months or so during the pandemic? You know, I, we, as we started to go into the pandemic, I really did expect a rise and we didn't see that, but one of the other things we were concerned about was families, these host families and their, you know, their hesitancy to bring children in. And to be honest, we haven't seen that at all. We've had um, women that have needed to go into the hospital for care for COVID and you know, she has children, which have obviously been exposed or, you know, and families stepped up to the plate and said, yes, we will care for them. So how do families engage with you at Bethany Christian Services? Is it through other organizations, through their congregations, directly, all of the above? How, how, do, they connect, get, how do they get connected with you? I would say all of the above. A lot is word of mouth. A lot is the recruitment that we've done within our supporting churches. Um, like I said, Bethany's been around in Northern California for quite a long time and we have some really awesome, amazing church support. And so a lot of those families come from, from those churches. Let's talk a little bit about your role uh, with Bethany Christian Services. How did you get connected and <laughs> Why did you say, this, this is where I want to put my time and talents? Oh, goodness. That's quite a story. So I grew up, I actually live in Fresno. And I grew up here in Fresno. And when I was just finishing graduate school, my husband received a promotion. And 
we had to move to the state of Washington. And I had just finished um, my master's degree in counseling. And I, as soon as we got to Washington, I started looking at the newspaper back then <laughs> in the late 90s. That's how you found a job. And I found a position for a pregnancy counselor. And that's how I got connected. And then um, in 2001, our Modesto branch was looking at expanding and wanting somebody to start an office in Fresno. And so ironically, um, you know, God's plan was to move our family back. At the time, I didn't really realize what that full picture looked like. But my husband's job moved him back to Fresno and I had that opportunity to start that satellite office in Fresno. And um, I've done it, not just pregnancy counseling, I've worked with adoptive families. I've done a variety of roles here at Bethany and when our former director moved on, I that's when I kind of incorporated Modesto too, so. You have a wide geographical uh, area to cover there, uh, it sounds yes. like. Let's keep you busy. <laughs> yes, and I know that 99 freeway well. <laughs> I, uh, I'm sure you do. And uh, that that has its own stresses and strains. So uh, right. you know, kudos to you for uh, for dealing with high, Highway 99. Sandy, what are uh, some of the major challenges that you've seen uh, that you've learned something about over your tenure with uh, Bethany Christian Services? What are those things that you've been through, you've been able to handle that have been a learning experience for you? I think, well, first of all, God's grace and God's love for people and people, regardless of where they're at, what circumstances they're in. One of the things that I hadn't mentioned earlier is a couple of years ago, we had the opportunity to expand to work with unaccompanied children. We have a, a home that was built in the 80s to house pregnant and parenting women and girls. And a couple years ago, we transitioned to working with unaccompanied children that are currently pregnant or parenting children. And I think regardless of where people come from, there is a lot of pain, a lot of hurt out there, a lot of trauma. The kids that we're dealing with, um, have gone through so much, but just to be able to be the hands and feet of Jesus and just provide that love, that support to them has been amazing. Our goal is to get them to their families as quickly and safely as possible, their families here in the U.S. And, you know, an opportunity came up for those kids that aren't able to, to reunite with family we are now providing long-term foster care for those children here in Northern California. So that's, again, something new. We're also able to, um, starting this year, to provide support to the families that have reunified to those sponsors and go into the homes and provide, you know, ongoing case management with them. So just, again, being the hands and feet of Jesus and just showing that love and compassion. And I'm sure that's uh, a welcomed relief uh, to many of those children. Uh, by the way, just very quickly, when we're talking about children, what, what age ranges are we talking about? 
Well, with with the home, um, with the pregnant girls that we're working with and the parenting girls, those girls are ages 12 to 17 with, again, who are either pregnant or parenting a child under the age of four. In terms of those that we're supporting through foster care or in their sponsors' homes, those could be children of all ages up to age seven, you know, 17. We're visiting with Sandy Hyatt. She's the branch director of Bethany Christian Services in Northern California. And the conversation will continue here on the Mike Douglas Show with Sandy Hyatt. She's the branch director of Bethany Christian Services in Northern California and for us here in the Central Valley. Sandy, let's talk specifically about foster care and what Bethany Christian Services can do to help people walk into the process with eyes wide open, open to the realities, and make them totally comfortable with the process. How, how can you help with that? Yeah, well, the foster care program is a fairly new program for us, and we have recruited some amazing staff with lots of experience. And so right now we're recruiting families and the biggest part isn't just the screening process. It's the preparation, the training. Um, we, the state requires like 12 hours of training, but we really do more like 30 hours of training because we want families, like you said, to have, you know, eyes that are, you know, we want them to have those eyes that are wide open and just be prepared. I, you know, my whole career, I always used to say post-placement, meaning children that are in the home, really starts at pre-placement. And that's really focusing on that education, preparation, expectations, just being, you know, really honest with families as to the reality of the difficulties that these children are facing and the, the trauma that they've experienced. Sandy, how can uh, how can people engage with you, get connected with you if, if you spark their interest, if they have some thoughts about uh, engaging in foster care and in some of the services that you provide? How can people get a hold of you and get connected? Sure. Um, well, we're really easy to find. Real simple. Just go to Bethany.org um, and you can find us that way and send an inquiry that way. Or you can just simply call 1-800-BETHANY and talk to a live person, and they'll connect you with our branch. Thank you so much for uh, sharing your, your thoughts with us today. I know uh, Bethany Christian Services, again, uh, here in the Modesto area. Anyway, a long history, about uh, three three plus decades, and you have a beautiful facility there on uh, Han Drive, right? Absolutely, it is, uh, we are so blessed. Yeah, the community is amazing. But well, and, and I think that's one of the things, too, uh, Sandy, and maybe just take a minute to talk about that. Uh, how has the community uh, surrounded you and helped you uh, over the past few years? You know, not just financially, but, you know, just the amazing prayer support, um, just tangible items. A few months ago, we landed up, um, I just got into the office in Modesto, and there was um, a couple there with a truckload full of diapers of all sizes. Just things like that have just been incredibly amazing. 
Well, Sandy, thank you so much for visiting with us. Again, Sandy Hyatt, she's the branch director of Bethany Christian Services in Northern California. That, of course, including our area here in the Central Valley. If you'd like more information about Bethany Christian Services and some of the wonderful resources that she talked about, you can go online, visit them at Bethany.org. That's B-E-T-H-A-N-Y, Bethany.org, or give them a call at 1-800-BETHANY. <laughs> you know, now back when we had rotary, anybody remember rotary dial phones? I'm, I'm sure many of you do. Uh, it was uh, real easy to uh, look up and, and see what letters corresponded to what numbers on the telephone because they were right there in front of you. Now with our cell phones and all that, it's, it's not that easy always. So let me translate those numbers for you. I think I've got them right here. 1-800-BETHANY should translate to 1-800-238-4269. That's 1-800-238-4269. And if you happen to get Albert's uh, tree service by accident, I'll apologize, but I'm pretty sure I've, uh, I've translated those numbers uh, correctly. Well, next week, my friends, June 15th arriving, we'll see what happens as far as the uh, restrictions being lifted, the colored tiered system for uh, the pandemic response allegedly going away as we know it anyway. Uh, We'll see what happens. And uh, just uh, about two days ago, Carlo uh, Vasquez, a public a public health educator for uh, Stanislaus County Office of Emergency uh, Services, uh, reviewed a, a couple of positives about being in the orange tier. Stanislaus County and San Joaquin County now in that orange tier. Movie theaters and gyms can now allow more people in their facilities at once. Family entertainment centers, including bowling alleys and arcades, can now resume indoor operations. And private events, including conferences and receptions can now increase their maximum capacity as well. And Carlo also talked about what's coming up tomorrow. Yep, it's the Vax Lottery. With the state's new Vax for the Win campaign, the first 2 million Californians to get vaccinated after May 27th will receive a $50 gift card. Additionally, all Californians who have received at least one dose of the vaccine are automatically entered into drawings for cash prizes. On Friday, June 11th, 15 winners will be chosen to receive $50,000 each. And then on Tuesday, June 15th, 10 lucky Californians will be selected to receive $1.5 million each. Okay. So if if you've been vaccinated, and uh, I mean, it's is it a matter of principle? Uh, would you turn down the one point five million dollars on June fifteen? Mm, would you turn down the fifty thousand dollars if you were one of the winners tomorrow? Uh, how about the fifty dollar gift card? I don't know about the $50 gift card. I don't know about the whole lottery thing uh, anyway. It just seems like it's, you know, we always have to, can I use the word bribe? Bribe people to do the right thing if, if, 
you know, if they think getting the vaccine is the right thing, and again, I understand some people cannot do that, and that's fully understandable. Uh, some have preconditions where the vaccine would be dangerous. Some folks uh, on a philosophical level oppose getting a vaccine. I have no problem with that. I, I believe that's part of our freedom here in the United States of America as we're grasping on to the First Amendment as tightly as we can before uh, current administrations blow it totally away. I, I, I think we're hanging on to it for, for dear life, but I think we do have, uh, do have those options. So I don't know, I, you know, 1.5 million, hmm. Might think about that. Uh, coming up at 4 o'clock today, Trevor Carey's show. He's going to talk about Dr. Fauci and Dr. Fauci and science. Again, thanks for joining us today on the Mike Douglas Show. I'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow right here at 3 o'clock on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.